Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, it's Friday, and I want to give you some food for thought this weekend. And so what I'm going to do, and I do this from time to time, but I'm going to do it especially so today, is dive deeply into philosophy, our history, our constitutional construct because of Joe Biden, his conduct, and what he has proposed today with this commission to study packing the Supreme Court. And so you cannot just feel emotionally and understand the dire threat we face from this man, but understand it from a more important substantive perspective. First of all, let's take a look at what it was the framers of your Constitution were trying to do. They didn't invent the idea of separation of powers. As those of you who've listened to this program before and read my books, as you know, during the Revolutionary period, the most important philosopher was John Locke. And in his second treatise on government, John Locke, talks about, rather broadly, separation of powers. During the constitutional period, the most important philosopher, and there were many that they looked to, was Charles de Montesquieu. And it's Montesquieu, in one short paragraph in a very long book, who basically spells out separation of powers between and among the legislative, the judicial, 
and the executive. The framers of your Constitution, having just fought a revolutionary war, putting their lives on the line against the most powerful military force on the face of the earth, fought a revolution not to destroy their society, which is what's taking place today, but they fought a revolution because they insisted that they wanted a representative republic. And they looked at history as very smart men. They looked at what's going on in the contemporary world, and they saw what took place in France. They had an absolute bloodbath. And so having fought a revolution against a monarchy, and having watched mobocracy in France result in an absolute disaster as they tried to implement the philosophy of Rousseau, our founding fathers said, we don't want a mobocracy, and we don't want an autocracy. That is, we don't want a democracy, and we don't want a centralized authoritarian government. We want to do something differently. Having looked at human history, having scanned the governments of the world, having a completely blank slate, they created a republic, a representative, federal, constitutional republic. The keystone to this republic is separation of powers. That's the keystone. They were concerned about the mob, that is, factions, taking over the government, having temporary control, and imposing their will on the American people. You see that happening in Congress today. They were also concerned about an individual seizing power as an executive and imposing his will from the nation's capital. You see that in Joe Biden today. The two forms of of tyranny that they feared the most, and the Constitution was constructed to try and prevent, are the two forms of tyranny that you and I are currently confronting. Confronting. The mobocracy and the autocracy from the same political party. The same political party that never accepted this country as founded. The same political party that was behind the Confederacy. The same political party that for a hundred years was behind segregation. And today the same political party that is tearing this country apart. The Democrat Party. It has never embraced our founding principles. Always want to rejigger society. Always want to change human nature. It is an alien force within our nation. Joe Biden signed an executive order today. If it's Friday, it must be executive order day, like the rest of the days of the week, to form a commission to study packing the Supreme Court. I want to begin reading something to you. This is your country. This is your history. Your country and your history. That is not taught to recent immigrants, which is why you have the progeny of recent immigrants 
in Congress and in the media who hate our country and feel no attachment to it whatsoever. James Madison. James Madison, Federalist number 51, pages 347 and 53. February 6, 1788. To what expedient, then, shall we finally resort for maintaining in practice the necessary partition of power among the several departments, as laid down in the Constitution? The only answer that can be given is that as all these exterior provisions are found to be inadequate, the defect must be supplied by so contriving the interior structure of the government as that its several constituent parts may, by their mutual relations, be the means of keeping each other in their proper places. Without presuming to undertake a full development of this important idea, I will hazard a few general observations, which may perhaps place it in a clearer light and enable us to form a more correct judgment of the principles and structure of the government planned by the Convention. In order to lay a due foundation for that separate and distinct exercise of the different powers of government, which to a certain extent is admitted on all hands to be essential to the preservation of liberty, it is evident that each department should have a will of its own, and consequently shall be so constituted that the members of each should have as little agency as possible in the appointment of the members of the others. With this principle rigorously adhered to, it would require that all the appointments for the Supreme Executive, Legislative, and Judiciary Magistries should be drawn from the same fountain of authority, the people, through channels having no communication whatever with one another. Perhaps such a plan of constructing the several departments would be less difficult in practice than it may be in contemplation appear. Some difficulties, however, and some additional expense would attend the execution of it. Some deviations, therefore, from the principle must be admitted. In the Constitution of the Judiciary Department in particular, it might be inexpedient to insist rigorously on the principle, first, because peculiar qualifications being essential to its members, the primary consideration ought to be to select the mode of choice. So what he's getting at here is, look, it can't be a perfect separation of powers, because there would be an inability to function. And so what he's saying here is he's justifying separation of powers, but he's also justifying that the president makes the nomination and the Senate confirms in this particular instance. But the great security against a gradual concentration of the several powers in the same department consists in giving to those who administer each department the necessary constitutional means and personal motives to resist encroachments of the others. The provision for defense must in this, as in all other cases, be made commensurate to the danger of attack. Ambition must be made to counteract ambition. The interest of the man must be connected with the constitutional rights of the place. It may be a reflection on human nature that such devices should be necessary to control the abuses of government. But what if government itself but the greatest of all reflections of human nature. If men were angels, you've heard this, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, 
Neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. And framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed, and in the next place oblige it to control itself. A dependence on the people is no doubt the primary control on government, but experience has taught mankind the necessity of auxiliary precautions. The policy of supplying by opposite and rival interests in each department, the defect of better motives might be traced through the whole system of human affairs. So what he's saying is, look, human beings, as a matter of fact, like power. And may try and take power from each other. So we've tried to establish, through separation of powers, these separate departments of government, that is, the three branches, where these branches check each other. They have independent, in some uh, areas, overlaying responsibilities. So this policy of supplying by opposite and rival interests, the defect of better motives, might be traced through the whole system of human affairs. First, in a single republic, all the power surrendered by the people is submitted to the administration of a single government. He's saying what we're not doing. And usurpations are guarded against by the division of the government into distinct and separation documents. I'm going to move on. Second, it is the great importance in a republic not only to guard the society against the oppression of its rulers, but to guard one part of the society against the injustice of the other part. So you get the idea, and they spent a lot of time on this. At the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, the Federalist Papers, where they were trying to convince the state legislatures to adopt the Constitution, to ratify it. And it was the key concept, unique in all human governments, up to that time, to prevent the tyranny of the mob and to prevent the tyranny of the dictator. Now, what does this have to do with anything? Well, this segment's over. I will explain it when we return. I'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com.
We can't rush through this, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we have commercials during the course of this program, obviously, and news breaks. But we really can't rush through this because this is your country. This is your republic, and it's being destroyed. And I want to give you some context for what's taking place so you can be the Thomas Paines and over the weekend with your family and friends, social circles, anybody who will listen, explain to them what's taking place in this country. There's no more effective way than to stem and blunt what's taking place than for us to be well-informed and not on our heels but on our toes. This is the construct set up under the Constitution of the United States. Since the late 1800s, when an ideology was exported from Europe to the United States, which was self-identified as progressivism, an ideology that is born from Marxism, also born in Germany and Britain. The battle has been to destroy separation of powers. The battle has been with every other tyranny and totalitarian regime to centralize power. This was the ideology of the early progressive intellectuals. This was the ideology, whether people like it or not, of Theodore Roosevelt, who was an early progressive, Republican progressive. And this was the ideology of an outright racist by the name of Woodrow Wilson. Wilson dismissed the founding. He dismissed the Declaration of Independence. You know, it was Lincoln embraced the Declaration before and during the Civil War. And Wilson denounced the Declaration and its principles as he advanced segregation and bigotry in the United States. So think about that. But Woodrow Wilson despised the Declaration and he despised the Constitution. He wasn't alone. And the reason is because the Constitution hemmed in the power of a president or the power of the masterminds. The Constitution and Marxism, or its bastard child, progressivism, cannot possibly work together. And they don't. And so for over 100 years now, the Democrat Party has identified with this this Marxist or progressive movement and has been attempting for the over a hundred year period to chip away at the firewalls in the Constitution, including separation of powers. It started with Theodore Roosevelt. It moved strongly with Woodrow Wilson. Franklin Roosevelt did enormous damage to our constitutional system. And it's been working that way. That's been the trajectory ever since. I want to pick up from here. I hope you'll stick with me after the bottom of the hour. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, 
and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. And when you look at some of the celebrated leaders of the Democrat Party since the late 1800s and the early 1900s into current times, you look at Woodrow Wilson, he was a racist. He was a segregationist. He was born in segregated Virginia. He resegregated the military. And this is very well known. You look at Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin Roosevelt, who Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, and most Democrats in Washington, D.C. consider the greatest of the presidents. Even people like Conrad Black are blinded by it. This is a man who rounded up 120,000 Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent without any due process, issued the military order, and they were forcibly removed from their homes. Their businesses were taken from them, and they were moved into the interior of the country into internment camps. This is also a man who worked with the New York Times and the Washington Post and other media to cover up the Holocaust and refused to allow Jews who were escaping certain death into the United States. Less than a thousand of them. That's one of their great heroes. And then Barack Obama, our first black president. Barack Obama was befriended by and befriended domestic terrorists. Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn, among others. Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn escaped long prison sentences based on a technicality, but they were involved in violent actions against our government, far more than ever took place on January 6th. Barack Obama also pardoned the leader of the FDLN terrorist Puerto Rican movement, he and his fellow terrorists created mayhem and some death in New York. He refused to show any remorse, and Obama pardoned him anyway. These are not great men. These are big government men. These are big government men. They didn't expand liberty for anybody. Not in this country. Woodrow Wilson despised our constitutional system. And today, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, 
most of the people in the media, these radical movements, whether it's Black Lives Matter or the leftist women in the House of Representatives, they do everything they can day in and day out to separate us from our history and to destroy our founding. They want you to believe that this nation, in its DNA, needs to be abandoned. And I sit here and I think to myself, slavery, segregation, all Democrat Party policies. How does it help to remedy what took place 150, 160 years ago in terms of slavery? And 50 years ago, when it came to the Democrat Party and segregation, to embrace Marx. How does, it, how does it fix anything, reform anything, repair anything, to embrace an ideology, even the bastard child they call progressivism, very quaint. An ideology that has killed 100 million people and enslaved over a billion people and impoverished even more people than that. What is it exactly? What kind of redemption and reformation are we going to get out of Marxism or its cheap sister, progressivism? How does enslaving the entirety of the country to a failed ideology do anything to resolve anything? It doesn't, does it? How many more experiments with human beings? With other countries do we need? You notice communist China, a genocidal regime. You notice not a single person in this country who embraces so-called progressivism, Marxism, ever leave this country to move to communist China. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? Even more. The purest form of communism in terms of a government on the face of the earth today is North Korea. It's North Korea. You don't see athletes going to North Korea and living there. You don't see leaders of Black Lives Matter surrendering their their passport, their citizenship in the United States and moving to North Korea. They'd be insane if they did. They'd be insane if they did. What is happening here, ladies and gentlemen, is we have very diabolical politicians and diabolical movements. Power-hungry individuals who are abusing this country, who are using our freedom to destroy our freedom, who are using our Constitution to destroy our Constitution. They feel empowered by this. They feel a, uh, a rush of self-righteousness. Revolution can be very exciting to some people. They have power where they never would have power before. Fame or at least acknowledgement where they wouldn't have fame or acknowledgement before. They don't care about this country. Quite the opposite. They're destroying this country. And their woke zombies can be found everywhere. 
in our public schools, in our courtrooms, throughout colleges and universities, the tenured faculty. They can be found in the media, throughout the media, in Hollywood, because these are armchair revolutionaries. They were celebrating violence all summer long. They were telling us that these people were mostly peaceful. Or if they were mostly peaceful, then you and I wouldn't care about it. If they were mostly peaceful, why were they calling federal law enforcement stormtroopers? If they were mostly peaceful, why were they trying to rush the White House? Using Molotov cocktails and other weapons to attack a federal courthouse. Brutalizing our police officers. And yes, killing people. And burning things. Far more damage than was ever done on January 6th. And I don't defend January 6th one whit. And yet these people do defend what took place all summer long. And you'll never forget, I believe, that Joe Biden, for the most part, sat silently. Even as nominee of the Democrat Party, put out a sentence or two late in the game, and that was it. Kamala Harris encouraged her friends in California to contribute to an organization, as did a number of staffers on Biden's campaign staff, that paid for bail for people who were arrested and put in jail to get out. Joe Biden is going through this country level by level, degree by degree, and destroying it. He's just proposed a budget with domestic spending increase of 16%. 16%. In addition to the $1.9 trillion, that's really $3.2 trillion. In addition to the $2.5 trillion, that's really another $3 trillion. In addition to two more massive spending bills he hopes to push through after these first two and this budget bill go through. He will destroy our currency and he will destroy our economic system. But hey, everybody's demands will be satiated by our generation. Joe Biden has unleashed within the federal government the most radical, fringe, racist movements hatched by communists, promoted in our law schools, into our society into our federal government, into the United States military, into West Point. They are pushing it into our elementary school classrooms, and our middle school classrooms, into our high schools. The teachers' unions, the NEA and the AFT, which is basically an army of foot soldiers for the Democrat Party, with some exceptions, obviously, are radicalized, And are bringing this propaganda into our classrooms. And are now fighting with parents and identifying parents who should be threatened and marginalized. So they've been politically militarized now, our teachers and our teachers unions, against the parents, the students, and the community. And now Joe Biden signs an executive order to create a commission. A commission to essentially study 
packing the Supreme Court. He wants to get rid of the filibuster rule. So far we have one man, Manchin, who's standing in the way. I don't know how strong he is. He's been very weak. One man. But what happens in the next election if they have 52 senators, the Democrats? Then nothing stops them. I were to sit on the edge of our chairs after every single election and wonder if we're going to lose our freedom in our country? Is that the way this republic is supposed to function? That we're always one election away from totalitarianism? That we're always one election away from destroying separation of powers? That we're always one election away from open borders? That we're always one election away from massively confiscatory taxes? One election away? Is that what the Constitution says? No, it's not. We have been betrayed by successive Supreme Courts and lower courts. We've been betrayed. We've been betrayed by the media, which is specifically protected under the First Amendment, but chooses not to protect the First Amendment, the Bill of Rights, or the rest of the Constitution. It has, in fact, thrown in with the mob and thrown in with the autocrat. We have been betrayed by a Democrat party that seeks to populate and control all the elected branches of government, all the appointed branches of government. But when the framers put together this construct of separation of powers, they could never have dreamed that there would be a political party, because keep in mind there were no political parties. They could never have dreamed there would be a political party that would use whatever branch of government it controls to destroy the constitutional construct in order to create a centralized autocracy. So rather than have branches of government jealously protecting their own powers, we now have branches of government that are controlled by the Democrats that are aggressively colluding and conspiring against the rest of us. This latest act by Joe Biden to form a commission to the study packing the Supreme Court, I want to ask the Republicans in the House of Representatives a question. I want to ask Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise a question. You're in the minority. But ideas honestly do have consequences. What will it take for the leadership in the House? And what will it take for the other Republicans in the House of Representatives to tell the American people that we have a President of the United States was violating our Constitution on multiple levels. That is utterly out of control. That is conducting himself like a monarch. And what will it take for those Republicans, for those Republicans, to draw up articles of impeachment? I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, 
but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Joe Biden is leaving a stain on the presidency far worse than Bill Clinton ever did. And impeachment isn't reserved for Republican presidents. It's the only option we have. And I do understand that the Republicans are in the minority. But at some point you need to stand up and be counted. And when you have a pyromaniac in the Oval Office, who's burning down our country, burning down our system, burning down our military, our law enforcement, burning down our borders, burning down our courts. In other words, doing what was done this summer, but doing it from within, with a jacket and tie on and with cue cards. The outcome is the same. We're going to have a special Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to have Shelby Steele back. We need to hear his wisdom. And he'll be back on the first half of the program. We're going to talk about what Joe Biden is doing and what's happening in that respect. And we're going to have Charles Payne on the second half hour to walk us through what's happening with the spending, the debt, and the future to our economy. And I guarantee you, I'm going to open with the biggest blockbuster monologue you've probably ever heard. I don't always open with monologues, but I open with a monologue Sunday, that's for sure. Hope to see you then. If you can't watch it live, you can always DVR it. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, it's amazing how myths are recreated through repetition in the media. They keep talking about the Supreme Court as the 6-3 to majority conservative court. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there are six justices who were appointed by Republican presidents who are Republicans. But there's not six, may I say, originalists on the Supreme Court by any stretch of the imagination. John Roberts is not an originalist. He's Hollywood John. He's political. 
That's a fact. Kavanaugh is not an originalist, and I said he wasn't an originalist. His vote is up for grabs. The two most solid individuals on the court in terms of being faithful to the Constitution are Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito. Period. Period. So, on an average day, it's 7 to 2. On a good day, it's 6 to 3. But for the liberals, not the conservatives. So Joe Biden says now, we're going to have a 180-day study of potential changes to the Supreme Court. Now, ladies and gentlemen, potential changes to the Supreme Court, it depends what they mean by that. If you're going to change the Supreme Court, you have to amend the Constitution of the United States. There's something about the left, something about the left where they understand they can't get the votes, they can't muster the support to go through the Constitution while they wave the Constitution around. So they are basically a roving constitutional convention that change whatever they want to change as their ideology compels. Now they do have the power to change the number of Supreme Court justices. It wasn't that long ago when there would be a unity of parties, a unity of political ideologies, which would rise up against such a move. That's tyrannical. That's exactly what happened to the left's favorite president, Franklin Roosevelt. You know what, I don't think the left's favorite president these days is Franklin Roosevelt. You know who their favorite president is, Mr. Producer? Hugo Chavez of Venezuela, I think. Or maybe Fidel Castro. Late, of course. Dead, of course. But you get my point. And they called a bipartisan commission, of course. It'll be led by Bob Bauer, who is one of the most left-wing hack lawyers in Washington, D.C. He was White House counsel to Obama. And Christina Rodriguez, a Yale Law School professor, who was Deputy Assistant Attorney General also in the Obama Justice Department. So it'll be very bipartisan. Basically, we're going to have the Stalinists and the Trotskyites. So I guess that makes it bipartisan. And they'll throw in a few Republicans for looks. But what is this really about? Well, if they can achieve packing the court, they will. But if they achieve nothing... They're doing this to threaten the court. At a minimum, this entire exercise is intended to threaten the independence of the Supreme Court and the rest of the judiciary. What Biden is telling them, what Schumer is telling them, and remember when Schumer, a year and a half ago, led a frontal attack on the Supreme Court, literally on the steps of the Supreme Court, threatening Justices Kavanaugh and Gorsuch directly, for which he received no ethics violation or nothing. In other words, he incited an insurrection against the U.S. Supreme Court without consequence. Without consequence. What this is really about is threatening the justices on the Supreme Court who watch the news, who read the newspapers, and know exactly what's going on. 
Justice Breyer, the eldest of the justices, he's 82 years old, who spent many years on Capitol Hill, not exclusively, but still many years working for Ted Kennedy, in essence. He said today that they need to be careful because of the independence of the Supreme Court. So immediately, members of the Democrat Party, on the left, and I don't even know how you say on the left anymore, where are they, somewhere else? said he should resign. So that's the mob. The mob. So a Supreme Court justice should resign because he says that he's concerned about maintaining the independence of the Supreme Court. You see? You see where we are here? MSNBC host calls on liberal Supreme Court Justice Breyer to retire after his warning against court packing. This is at Fox. MSNBC host Mehdi Hassan, whoever the hell that is, has called Justice Breyer to retire from the bench after he spoke out forcefully against court packing earlier this week. So you can see the Democrat Party and the mob. It's more than cancel culture. It's too passive, that phrase. We've got to think of another one. But at any event... They're now demanding the resignation of a Supreme Court justice who's trying to uphold separation of powers. The liberal, the old liberal establishment is under attack. The old liberal establishment is under attack by these Marxists with whom Joe Biden has thrown in. There's no need to do any of this. There's no need for a commission. The Supreme Court did exactly what Joe Biden wanted them to do throughout the election period. They will continue to do mostly what Joe Biden wants him to do, but that's not good enough because Joe Biden is about building a legacy. He wants to be America's Benito Mussolini. And so far in his first 90 days in office, he is Benito Mussolini. And it's getting worse. So this entire exercise is intended to threaten the United States Supreme Court, basically warning it. If you step out of line, if you step out of line, we will destroy you. That's Joe Biden's message. Now back in 1983, when Ronald Reagan was president of the United States, and Joe Biden was still a halfwit, He spoke to this idea of packing the Supreme Court. Now the man is anything but but inconsistent. Cut two, go. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct. But it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make, and it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. The president had the right to do that. He was totally within his power, and his objective was seen clearly. Mm-hmm. So what's changed? Well, Joe Biden's now president. And he's a power-hungry buffoon. He's a bonehead, to use his own word. Now, Jen Psaki, 
has no independent integrity of her own. She's perfectly happy being the mouthpiece for Jim Crow Joe and his autocracy. She's not troubled by it in the least. Anybody who had integrity would have resigned by now, but not Pisaki. Because she doesn't have integrity. And she was asked today by Peter Ducey if this panel's considering court packing. Cut three, go. To follow up on Ed's questions about the Supreme Court yep. uh, action today, President Biden once said in 1983 he thought court packing Whoa, was... time-back machine. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, a time-back machine. You know, the world starts today. And we're not interested in any of that, of course. No, 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 no. No, a time-back machine. Now, don't, don't hold his feet to the fire. We know he's a buffoon and inconsistent, just like I, his spokes idiot. All right, go ahead. thought that court packing was a bonehead idea when FDR tried it, so why ask a panel now to go and see if it is a good idea? Well, first, he's, uh, the panel is being asked to do a number of, take a number of steps, including the pros and cons on exactly that issue. But they will also be looking at the court's role in the constitutional system, the length of service and turnover of justice on the court, justices on the court, the membership and size of the court, and the court's case selection rules and practices. And the makeup Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. They're going to look at how the court makes decisions about taking up cases. They're going to look at how the court is administered. Ladies and gentlemen, if that's not a violation of separation of powers, I don't know what is. If this isn't a frontal attack and threat on the independence of this court, which has done many things that I find to be an abomination. If it isn't that, then what is this? Now, you know, I've written about the Supreme Court. My very first book was called Men in Black. And I've written about the Supreme Court and also in Liberty and Tyranny. And I also mentioned the Supreme Court in other books, including the Liberty Amendments. And I have been proposing since Men in Black and in the Liberty Amendments term limits for Supreme Court justices. But how can you support term limits for Supreme Court justices when, as everything else, what Obama and his ilk want to do is use something like term limits on Supreme Court justices, eliminating the filibuster, packing the court as a way to control our nation? For me, term limits were very, very important and still are in normal, regularized circumstances where you do not have a party and a crackpot in the Oval Office who are looking for opportunities to seize control of every part and parcel of our republic. So they will manipulate the term limits proposal that I came up with and have been writing about, when did Men in Black come out? 16, 17 years ago? Something that I have been, you know, promoting for a long, long time. But certainly not in this environment, and certainly not in the context of what Joe Biden and his surrogates are looking to do. But the idea that they're going to look at 
the court's case selection rules and the court's administrative activities and so forth. There's a clear violation of separation of powers. It's clearly intended to threaten the Supreme Court. And it's really appalling. He's bringing in one of his own political and legal hacks who was involved in changing laws in battleground states, this guy Bauer, who's always one step ahead of the law himself, an old Obama appointee, really an old Clinton guy, and he's bringing in another political appointee, Deputy Assistant Attorneys General. In this case, she was a political appointee. He's bringing in his hatchet people to lead a commission to look at the Supreme Court. Now, what's really quite remarkable about all this is he's getting no pushback from a single Democrat in this country. He's getting no pushback from a single so-called journalist in this country. He's getting no pushback from a single so-called court watcher in this country. And if anybody has the authority to examine the Supreme Court, and by that I do not mean how the Supreme Court is administered in selects cases, but their budgets and their salaries, which have to go through Congress, it's Congress. Not the President of the United States with some commission where he appoints political hacks who are not accountable to anybody? Since when do you bring in lawyers and law professors, put them on a commission, and have them examine the United States Supreme Court? He's threatening the Supreme Court, and he's going around Congress, which this idiot controls. I'll be right back. Mark in. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. What else is happening in our country? You notice how little focus there is on what goes on on Main Street in America, what goes on in our diners and our hardware stores, what people are doing, normal people doing normal things in the private sector. You notice everything is government-centric because government's out of control. Government has its tentacles everywhere. Government wants to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. And the CDC director today declared that 
racism is a serious public health threat. So you see, anything goes under the ambiguous phrase health and the environment. And so the politicization of science and public health and the politicization of the environment, which has been going on for a long time, is now, has now reached five-alarm status. Five-alarm status. Now, I don't have enough time in this segment to begin to jump into this, but we are going to jump into this, because this is now spreading like a cancer throughout the medical and scientific community. I see it's not only the CDC and other such entities in the federal government, the Lancet Medical Journal, the AMA, Harvard, uh, the Harvard Medical School doctors advocate race-based discrimination in favor of minorities, calling it medical restitution. See, every crackpot and moron with an idea in a particular profession now wants in on this game. They want in on it. Who's nuttier than the next? Who can be more self-righteous and self-aggrandizing than the next? Lancet Medical Journal. Wasn't that the medical journal that got like COVID messed up, Mr. Producer? So the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the director, Rochelle Walensky, appointed by Biden. She's a medical doctor, nothing more, nothing less has declared racism, quote, a serious public health threat, unquote, and said the agency would accelerate its work to address racism as a fundamental driver of racial and ethnic health inequality and inequities in the United States. Will she be examining Black Lives Matter? Oh, oh, they don't mean that. Sorry. A new CDC website on racism and health serves as a hub for the agency's efforts, Quote, racism is not just the discrimination against one group based on their color of their skin and their race or ethnicity, but the structural barriers that impact racial and ethnic groups differently to influence where a person lives and works and so forth. More when I return. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. So there's no aspect of this society now that hasn't been devoured by what was once understood to be a fringe, racist, radical ideology. Critical race theory. And as you can see, every element of our society and culture are to blame for racism. So step back a second, ladies and gentlemen. Here we have the most tolerant and diverse society on the face of the earth. Here we have a nation of laws with due process for all. Here we have a nation where everybody can vote as a matter of fact, or they have a federal cause of action. Here we have a nation where, as I speak, 
over 120,000 people south of the border, most of whom are people of color, tried to come into this country in one month. In one month's time. And you and I are supposed to believe these lies about systemic racism, systemic white privilege, and all the rest. This is an effort to dehumanize people and groups of people. This is a vulgar and poisonous ideology. This is one the Democrat Party has grabbed onto because it believes it can use it to further its power-hungry aims. And this is an ideology that seeps through liberaldom, including medical schools, science labs, sports, corporations, and all the rest of it. So the CDC director declares racism a serious public health threat. How does she know? You know, our buddy Leo Terrell, and I'll tell you, this guy is a tremendous patriot. And he's a, he's a man of enormous integrity. I'll tell you why. Because for the vast majority of his life, he was a liberal, if not a leftist. And he's a man who has defended people at the granular level. In other words, on ground level. In and out of courtrooms, defending people against really the powerful and so forth. And I don't know what it was, and I don't know what caused this. But he took a look at the country. He took a look at events. He took a look at what he's been doing for decades. And he's concluded, wait a minute. The left and the Democrat Party aren't what I thought they were. They're the enemy. And that takes fantastic intelligence and courage to do what Leo Terrell has done. He really does. Now, he heard this about the CDC director. He made a lot of brilliant points, of course, as he always does. And he said, uh, no, there's 10,000 other reasons that could be a reason why somebody isn't performing as they should perform or doing as they should do. It could be a lack of education. It could be their economic situation. Um, the assumption that the motivation is based on discriminatory conduct because somebody is black or brown, he said, is, uh, is ridiculous. He said if she takes that same argument into federal court, a judge would laugh at her. A judge would laugh at her. He said it's a lie. And it is a lie. It's an absolute lie. The fact of the matter is, this is the only country on the face of the earth where a person can walk into an emergency room, citizen, non-citizen, legal immigrant, illegal immigrant, black, brown, red, yellow, white, and cannot be turned away for medical care. It's a matter of federal law. And yet we are a racist society. People lined up on the border trying to get in here. 42% of the people south of the border, according to Gallup, excuse me, 42 million people south of the border want to come to the United States. And the overwhelming majority of them are black and brown. 
Why do we allow the Democrats and the Marxist ideology to use lies and propaganda to drive this nation over the cliff? The CDC director is a disgrace. She's a disgrace, and she's not the only one. Over at Breitbart, Lancet Medical Journal, racism is the public health crisis. Thomas Williams, Ph.D., writes, The woke Lancet Media Journal praises Black Lives Matter protests in its latest issue. It's a medical journal. Urging greater activism to overcome white supremacy. You know, nobody ever talked this way five years ago, did they? Somehow we missed all this white supremacy and white privilege and white domination. Somehow we missed it all. Racism needs to be confronted as a systemic problem embedded in Western society and its institutions. So it says, UK professor of black studies, Kehindi Andrews. What is black studies, white studies, this studies, that studies? These universities are unbelievable. It's not a matter of individual prejudice. It's a matter of systemic prejudice, ladies and gentlemen. So in other words, it can never be defeated and you can never be clean of it. An unfortunate pattern can be detected in how Western society deals with crises of racism involving shock, hand-wringing, and commitment to change, but no commitment to systemic change, Andrews laments. Every one of these kooks are hardcore leftists or neo-Marxists or whatever they are. So what they mean by systemic change is destroy capitalism, destroy our constitutional system, and impose some kind of top-down Marxist system. Only then can you see that we won't be a racist nation. Now, of course, when Castro took over, Che Guevara was a racist. He was a racist. He wrote about it and he talked about it. Black Cubans were inferior. He said and he believed. Now there's no racism going on in communist China, is there? Unless, of course, you're Muslim, a Uyghur, among others. There's no racism where, where Marxism exists, is there, ladies and gentlemen? And yet Black Lives Matter is racist and anti-Semitic. And so is a growing percentage of the Democrat Party hierarchy. Racism is typically reduced to individual acts of prejudice or seen as a series of flashpoints, says this professor, usually triggered by some violent act. When confronted with an unavoidable truth about the nature of inequality, some politicians and policymakers seem reluctant to come to terms with the realities of structural racism. There is no structural racism. Some people want to believe. They want to believe desperately. They want to be viewed as victims. There is no structural racism in the United States. Period. Then we have the American thinker, Thomas Lifson, Harvard Medical School doctors advocate race-based discrimination to favor minorities, calling it medical restitution. Ruling class members are starting to state out loud the hitherfore tacit, punitive, anti-white discrimination they seek in order to atone for structural racism. Two professors at Harvard Medical School, Drs. Bram Wispelwee 
and Michelle Morris, imagine being their patients, have published an open call for, a raci- for racial discrimination in the delivery of medical services in the name of remedying structural racism. The article titled, An Anti-Racist Agenda for Medicare. Now, all these people are racist. You understand, right? Black Lives Matter is racist. These mayors are racist. They're all racist. When you treat a group of people with a broad brush and you dehumanize them, you're a racist. I don't care what color you are. So the anti-racist agenda for medicine article has attracted criticism from conservatives, but so far, no rebuke from Harvard Medical School or Brigham and Women's Hospital, the Harvard-affiliated hospital where they practice. The authors openly state that they're drawing on critical race theory and advocate for reparations paid to, well, blacks. But they see that measure as insufficient. They want open discrimination against whites, maybe Asians, in order to favor blacks and what they call Latinx. You know, Latinos don't want to be called Latinx. But phony intellectuals and phony scholars in our law schools and colleges and universities and in the pages of phony newspapers like the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost insist on calling them Latinx. So they're not identified as male or female. We have developed what we hope will be a replicable pilot program for direct redress of many racial health care inequities. One that takes seriously the limits of colorblind solutions and empowers institutions in a variety of contexts to take decisive action to achieve racial equity. This is flat out of the Marxist critical theory book, really begun in the 1930s and 40s, promoted in the 1960s by a communist by the name of Herman Marcuse. And now here we are, Harvard Medical School. Building on calls for reparations, we call this a vision of medical restitution. Federally paid reparations, urgent and long overdue, would help to mitigate racial health inequalities, including those seen in COVID-19. Well, the inequality in COVID-19 had nothing to do with race and everything to do with age, you twits. But they would not, on their own, and then institutional and structural racism, they write. We believe we must pursue restitution programs at the institutional level while also advocating for federal reparations. So here we have doctors who take the Hippocratic Oath, who are advocating for preferences when it comes to health care based on race. How about if they're based on need, like you're having a heart attack, or maybe you have cancer? Or something like that. No, no, no. It's based on race. So white or Asian patients, you arrive in an ambulance desperately needing admission to one of the country's premier hospitals. You'll be turned away at the emergency room door because of your race. You're not in the front of the line, you see. That's really the bottom line with these two doctors and the rhetoric. And the very wordy article about structural racism and applicative justice. But it won't hide the ugly, ugly truth. They want to punish whites and presumably Asians. This is patently as legal, illegal as well as morally republic, as well as morally repu- uh, uh, repugnant in so many ways, isn't it? 
this growing racism in our country, dressed up as righteousness. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. So Biden, on top of all the other spending, is proposing a increase in domestic discretionary spending, a new budget, an annual budget. Listen to this. Of $769 billion for non-defense spending, a $105.3 billion increase. Can you believe this, Mr. Producer? A $105 billion increase to $769 billion. In the meantime, he proposes effectively no increase for the Defense Department, a minor increase which puts them behind, and no increase for the Department of Homeland Security despite the fact they are overwhelmed on the southern border. So the Communist Chinese, did they make this budget? I wonder if they wrote the defense budget. I don't know. So the Border Patrol and ICE... Nothing more. Our defense folks, they're going to be behind because there's, there's inherent costs in defense. And the increase is not going to uh, come close to what Donald Trump had proposed. So we're spending trillions and trillions and trillions, including on illegal aliens, including for blue state governors and blue state uh, and blue city mayors and all kinds of money on illegal aliens and all the rest. But when it comes to your United States military... In the neck. In the neck. When it comes to the Border Patrol and ICE, in the neck. This man is a wrecking ball. He is a, a, an arsonist to the civil society. That's what he is. Biden proposes holding DHS funding flat despite surge on U.S. southern border. Now, why would he do that? That's effectively defunding them. That's what it is. And Biden proposes $715 billion for defense. Trump had proposed $722 billion. So defense is not going to get nearly enough as it tries to keep up with and confront communist China. So there you are, Joe Biden, man of the people, lunch bucket Joe. Unbelievable. The communist Chinese, the communist North Koreans, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran and all the rest, they are thrilled with Joe Biden, aren't they? He's doing their bidding. I'll be right back. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 3811 Don't forget, please, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. You're not going to want to miss it. If you can't watch it live, you can always DVR it. The great Shelby Steele, and we're going to talk about race in this country. And Charles Payne, who is fantastic also. We're going to talk about what's going on with the spending and the debt and the consequences. And it's going to be um, led by one of my, I think, best monologues. You'll be the judge of that. Now, do you know who Patrice Khan Colliers is, ladies and gentlemen? Patrice Khan Colliers? She's one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, and she is an openly practicing Marxist, isn't she, Mr. Producer? She's an admitted Marxist. She's down for the revolution. And in America, with systemic racism, systemic white privilege, and the white-dominant culture, well, she can't make it. It's not possible. And yet here I am. I look at a website called Dirt.com, assuming it's accurate, Dirt.com. A secluded mini-compound tucked into Los Angeles' rustic, semi-remote Topanga Canyon was recently sold for a tad more than $1.4 million to a corporate entity that public record shows is controlled by Patrice Khan Colliers, 37-year-old social justice visionary and co-founder of the galvanizing and for some controversial Black Lives Matter now, I didn't report this firsthand. Maybe it's a trick. Maybe it's a setup, Mr. Producer. But maybe it's true. Now, this compound is $1.4 million. As I say, it's on the dirt.com site. Maybe that's a fake site. Uh, and it shows this Topanga Canyon, California. Home. It is really a fantastic home. It says a winding 15-minute drive from the commons at Calabasas and a slightly longer and somewhat less serpentine drive from Malibu's Getty Villa. The pint-sized compound spans about a quarter of an acre. The property is not quite 2,400 square feet. It is divided between the three-bedroom and two-bath main house and a separate one-bedroom, one-bath apartment capable of hosting uh, communists, I mean guests, long-term with a private entry in a living room with a kitchenette. It's beautiful, though, isn't it, Mr. Producer? 
Interior spaces feature bamboo floors, and in the spacious open-plan living room, dining area and kitchen, vaulted ceilings clad in, in a knotty pine and whitewashed, excuse me, whitewashed, yes, whitewashed raised hearth brick fireplace anchors, the living room and numerous skylight baths, the cavernous space with natural light. Written like a realtor. The two guest bedrooms and hall bathroom are fairly ordinary, as is the simple and up-to-date, they're not especially high-end kitchen, while the primary bedroom offers a vaulted and wood-clad ceiling, plus a small sitting area with glass sliders to the background. An unlandscaped dust bowl with little charm besides the natural beauty of the trees and rugged mountains that envelop the property, the backyard offers little more than a covered patio for alfresco dining, a small deck and a tiny freestanding cabin best suited as a home office, meditation, retreat, art studio, or communist plot room, if you will. Boy, America's tough, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Open society, free will. It's incredible. So... It just amazes me how, how the radical left gets away with this stuff. LeBron James gets away with it. She gets away with it. Then you have these billionaires like Soros and so forth who are funding revolutionary and resistance activities, how they get away with it. It's just shocking to me. They appreciate nothing. And yet this is who they are and this is what they do. It's fraudulent. Now, uh, AOC, or as we affectionately call her, Ech, in order to clear my throat, she was on a video call with Jewish Community Relations Council. I don't have the foggiest idea what it is, but I guarantee it's left wing. And she, well, let's just listen in. Shall we listen in? I think we'll listen in. Cut one, go. The moment where people say, how did all this happen anyway? Like, how did people just allow this, one of the most, one of the greatest horrors of the 20th century to just happen right under their nose. So she's talking about the Holocaust, which she's an expert on, I'm sure. Go ahead. The fact that, that we even ask that question shows that we do not educate on our history in a way that gives people the tools to lead and, and be in community. Because I think that's one of the things that was so scary about the last four years is that we... If you've studied this history, you should know how. And you should know that it begins with casual bigotry. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is she comparing the Holocaust to Trump's four years, Mr. Producer? This stupid moron? This commie? Go ahead. It begins with the increases of that, with the it's just a joke, and then it hits a certain... Right, that, yeah, listen, you know, when I went to college and law school, there were absolute buffoons like this in our classes who were uh, down for the revolution. And they were stupid as could be. They were the buffoons of the class. This clown gets elected in a Democrat primary in New York City. 
in a congressional district that has become increasingly Latinx. And she knocks off this longtime lieutenant to Nancy Pelosi, who is a very white Irish guy. And she only wins by like, what was it, 16,000 votes she got or something like that, Rich, I think it was, some minimal amount. Then the media immediately, collectively, put her on their shoulders and march her around like she actually knows something. She knows nothing. She regurgitates what her fellow moronic comrades tell her. It's really shocking. So I have a question for Ayach. Of course, I can never ask it to her directly, but I do have a question. Why are you buddies with an anti-Semite like Talib? Why are you buddies with an anti-Semite like Omar? What's that all about? And what's with the Jewish Community Relations Council? They sure as hell don't represent me. Why don't they talk to me? Why are they talking to her? Self-haters, I'm guessing. I don't know, I'm guessing. I don't know all these groups. Just guessing. They have Each available to talk to her. Now this is how mentally ill she and her ilk really are. The Holocaust and the Trump years. She doesn't really have a feeling for the people who were slaughtered during the Holocaust. She doesn't really have an understanding of what took place. She is a manipulated, uh, dense millennial. And I'm not attacking all millennials, just this millennial. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let's go to John Dayton, Ohio, on the Mark Levin app. John, go right ahead, please. Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for taking my call. Hey, I just wanted to say that after listening to the, the Communist Manifesto on audiobook, how I look at it is, is Karl Marx is interpreting the world as he sees it at that time. And what he's basically saying is that all of life's problems 
or, you know, oppression of people, et cetera, is a result of class struggle between feudalism, monarchies. He's talking about between uh, the oppressed and the oppressor, two classes, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Y- y- yes, sir. And 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 while I think it's absolutely true that uh, that governments throughout time, dictators have, have used a lot of Marxism. Well, let's hold on, because I'm told you're a liberal and you have a sympathetic view for this. Is that correct? Is that Marxist model correct? Yes, sir. Well, uh, well, not all of it. I, here's, and I want to try to make it quick. I think that if working class people had their overall basic needs met, that it could reduce a lot of problems as we see but, it. But, but this is, again, we're not talking about parasites. We're talking about humankind. And the question is, what kind of an economic model and what kind of a societal model provides more goods for more people than any other. That's the issue. Because many people have died trying to accomplish what Marx theorizes about. You look at the Cambodia killing fields, 25% of the population was slaughtered. Uh, There were to be no rich, no lawyers, no intellectuals. Everybody was moved out into the agricultural areas to farm and to... uh, and to provide for themselves. Uh, when you look at North Korea, these are the purest examples of Marxism. These other so-called yes, communist societies, including China, have had to abandon major aspects of Marx, and they've become relatively difficult to distinguish from totalitarian regimes with an ideology. But the world doesn't work that way. Marx has been wrong on almost every level. There aren't two classes. Even among union members, even among so-called workers, people are different. They have different needs, different motivations, different educations, different backgrounds, different families. Uh, Everybody's not the same or not even necessarily similar just because they work on an assembly line one next to the other. So in my view, you cannot interpret humanity or human history solely based on economics. There are many other things, including spirit, including faith, including... uh, ancestry, including what you're taught, and so forth. Marx got it utterly wrong. Right, and I just want to say that I'm actually not a a liberal. When I say I'm a liberal, I'm not a leftist in the sense of I believe in open borders, which I don't. I think we should have a secure border. I think we, I support the Second Amendment because I don't like the idea of being dependent on government for protection, things like that. I, I would just when I read the when I read it, I tried to keep an open mind of what exactly what Marx was saying, and then try to apply it into some of the. Why do you try to keep an open mind on an ideology that's responsible for the death of tens of millions? Do you keep an open mind when you read Mein Kampf? Well, well, you got a good you got a good point there. Why Why do people keep an open mind when they read Marx? I mean, it's one thing to read it from an intellectual or scholarly point of view and to try and comprehend it. But why do people have an open mind about what about his uh, prognosis when, in fact, he's been the most widely embraced philosopher in modern times, in my view, and the most culpable in terms of impoverishment and death and horror? You understand right. what I'm and, saying? You know, and, and again, I guess I, I can't speak for everybody. I can just speak for myself and that, you know, 
and, 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 and why is it that Black Lives Matter and Antifa embrace Marxism as some kind of salvation for past wrongs? How does that make any sense? Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, and again, I don't I don't consider myself a hardcore leftist. I mean, because I'm not. I just no, no, I'm not. I'm listen, I'm not talking about your ideology or you personally. I'm just raising these questions because they're never asked. They're never asked. It's just, oh, okay, they're righteous. Oh, okay, that's uh, critical race theory. Oh, oh okay, uh, climate change. Okay, capitalism sucks. Okay, no, wait a minute. We need to slow down and undress this. Right. You know, and I think it's wrong when I talk to other liberals, and they, and of course a lot of them want to immediately you know, just start getting angry when I say I think it's wrong to address race. I think it's wrong to label people automatically as being an inherent bad person just because they disagree with you. And I think I mean, you're right. So what, what is their complaint about that? Why are they getting angry at you? Because they – here's how the liberal sees it, at least how I interpret how they see it. They view our system as automatically evil because of slavery and how they view – But then every system is automatically evil. There's not a part of the world that didn't engage in slavery, including Africa. And they, yeah, and they look at it as because they view it that way – they feel they have to automatically destroy. And, I, and, and what I try to say is, well, I mean, I've got no problem. Well, here, try this. It's the only country ever in the history of mankind that fought a civil war <clears throat> to end slavery. Can you name another? There isn't I another. I can't personally know. There's not another. Anywhere. Yes. Yeah, I, I personally can't. Uh, so, you know, I mean, there's, there's sometimes I can... I can talk to them, and they're open, but many times when I talk to other liberals, they're and, really and, not And, open. you know, the Founding Fathers also left in place both principles and the ability to address and confront this issue of slavery. They couldn't resolve it and have a nation at the same time, given what was going on. But as Abraham Lincoln you said, and last time I checked, Abraham Lincoln is the single most effective and moral man in terms of confronting slavery more than any other man ever in the United States, certainly more than Jim Crow Joe. And he would refer to the Declaration all the time, and he pointed out that they put language in that Declaration, our founding document, that they knew they couldn't resolve, but they knew that their progeny would. The problem is, my friend, is that while you're prepared to think and you have an open mind and that sort of thing, on the left, they don't. On the left, they're on the war path. On the left, they are, uh, they are resistance-oriented. On the left, they are revolutionary-oriented. So no amount of uh, cognitive discussion is going to matter to them. Because right. you, you know, think with your brain, they think with their hip. They shoot from the hip. Yeah, a lot of them do, and and I don't want to put them all in a box because I've also talked to other liberals who. Well, why don't you make friends with non-liberals? Maybe your life will be a little easier. Yeah, I I have friends that are non-liberals. I mean, I why do you have to sit down with people and defend your country all the time? Tell me, how many of them actually went off to war and defended this country? Do you know? <laughs> Not very many. Not a else. damn one of them. That's right. All right, my friend. I enjoyed our conversation. Don't be a stranger. We'll be right back. 
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Atlanta and the state of Georgia, please hear me. Please hear what I want to tell you. It turns out that Stacy went around your backs. Stacy Abrams went around your backs, was consulting with the Major League Baseball commissioner uh, before he decided to undertake the boycott by removing the game from Atlanta and bringing it to Denver. And then she goes out in public and she acts like uh, she didn't really want the... uh, the game to be moved. So which is it, folks? What did she want? And what the hell's wrong with my call screen, Mr. Producer? I've tried repeatedly to get in there. Is it up and running on your end? Well, then. All right, you emailed me. Now, you know my computer sucks. Wait a minute. Let's see. Ladies and gentlemen, just bear with me. Give peace a chance. Let's see here. Here we go. Everybody, silent prayer or show tunes? All right, let's go to Dan Ames in Iowa on the Mark Levin app. Yes, Dan Ames, how may I help you? Hey, Mark, uh, thanks for taking my call. I want to thank you for consistently proving that there are certain principles and philosophies that are true uh, over time, uh, you know, from the from the Ten Commandments to the Constitution. I think you showed it tonight. Uh, I've been reading Liberty and Tyranny, and in 2004, you wrote about how a tyrannical government might take advantage of a pandemic uh, to rob people of their liberties. We've all seen that happen. Um, And then tonight, you played a clip of of Joe Biden uh, years ago talking about how wrong it is to... uh, to pack the Supreme Court versus what he's doing today. I just think uh, there's clearly a difference between between principles and uh, political expediency, and, and I just wanted to thank you for pointing it out again and again. Well, I appreciate it. And you know, as this 
tyranny grows and swirls around us, which is exactly what it's doing. We have to hold hard and firm to our belief systems. And we have to be resolute, and we have to actually have to be more. We have to become activists, and we have to push back. And I hope you and everybody else listening will stick with me over the course of the next many months, uh, because I am definitely uh, working on something morning, noon, and night. Uh, obviously, it's a book, but it's not just a book to read. It is a it is a book for a purpose. And, you know, Liberty and Tyranny was used and actually helped launch the Tea Party movement. And I've been involved in all these liberty movements, whether it's the Reagan Revolution, the Tea Party movement. Uh, when Donald Trump got the nomination, we swung behind Donald Trump because it was quite obvious uh, that he was, in fact, a, a great patriot. And I feel that way even to today, especially today, given what we're facing. Thank you very much for your call, Dan. I appreciate it. Let us go to Kelly, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, XM Satellite. Kelly, how are you? Very good, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. I'm a huge big-time listener, and I just want to let you know that we appreciate you out here because you are an educator. You educate. You just don't use the talking points. You are an educator. But my point is... um, these leftists who are, to me, are brainwashed mm-hmm. by the media, they, um, they believe that the government has the best interests of the people, that they want mm-hmm. to work on behalf of the people. That's not the way government works, and our forefathers understood this fundamentally, which is why they wrote the Constitution the way they did. Mm-hmm. So they can say and use all these philosophies and say, well, they want to use this philosophy to make our world a better place. And no, that's not, that's not the way it is. They want to make themselves better. They want to empower themselves. So they will use these points to further their agenda for themselves, not for us. And that's the fundamental understanding that a lot of these brainwashed people just cannot grasp. You're exactly right. Um... And it is amazing. What they embrace is their own demise, most of them. And they don't even realize that. And for the liberals out there, uh, they acquiesce to this, if not celebrate it. And in the end, uh, they are stricken too. They are, uh, you can see what's happened to this Naomi Wolf, who's appearing on Fox from time to time. She's shocked at what's going on, among others. And... uh, the hardcore revolutionaries, they will turn on the so-called liberals as they will on everybody else. And it's interesting uh, about uh, Marxism in this respect. He, uh, he was repulsed by what he called uh, the socialists and those who would, uh, were really only what he thought were half Marxists. In other words, you either go all the way and you're all in or you're a problem. Because you're creating the impression of Marxism without actually instituting Marxism. So he had no tolerance in his writings whatsoever for those who were not fully both feet in on the revolution. And unfortunately, the fools at the New York Times and the Washington Post and the fools in the Democrat Party, they're playing with fire and they don't even know what the hell they're doing. But for you and me... Whether they know what they're doing or not, it's a very, very dangerous thing that's going on in this country. Very dangerous. Thank you for your call, my friend. Much appreciated.
All right, Mr. Producer, I am looking for your email, but in the meantime, to whom shall I speak here? Oh, here's a whole new list you sent me. You're a quick little typist, aren't you? Let's go to Hubert in Lincoln, Nebraska, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? I'm doing fine, Mark. Nice talking to you. Thank Several you. Several thoughts quickly. In the midst of the uh, script for yesterday's harangue was no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. And second, on white privilege, when will all these whites harping about that resign the positions and forfeit the excess wealth they got through their white privilege? Exactly. And lastly, on Friday, how about Kate Smith? God bless America. Well, we do the national anthem up front, uh, so I changed it around a little bit. But you know what, Mr. Producer, maybe, uh, who, is it the, who is it that I like? It's, it, it, not so much Kate Smith, although I loved her. Isn't it uh, Martina? Do we still have that? Okay, sorry to put you on the spot. I don't know that we'll have time to do that tonight. Yeah, we don't have time tonight. But you know what, in the future we may do that. Because I really enjoy her version of it. Uh, which we can do. Ellie, Vienna, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go, Ellie. Yes, Mark. Uh, you mentioned quite often excuse about me, uh, Eli. the Democrats. Excuse me, Eli. Excuse me, I meant Eli. Go ahead. Quite fine. Yes, sir. You mentioned that uh, the Democrats are the party of slavery, of segregation, of Jim Crow, and that's certainly... The Is that false? Of course. No, it's the fact of facts. Yet, in academia and in the media, they talk about this big switch, right? Right. After the Civil Rights Act, all, yeah, all the racist Democrats switched to Republicans. Became Republicans. This, well, here's the problem with that. All the racist Democrats died off. It wasn't that they became Republicans. They became old men and women, and they died. <laughs> they didn't say, hey, let's all switch to the Republican Party. So this is the usual propaganda. Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. And if you look at the numbers, the number of congressmen that switched after the 1960s Democrats to Republican was three. The number of senators in the South out of 21, one, one switch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lie. Look, the Democrats are never going to come to grips with their history. And their history is they hate America. Whether it's one form of racism or bigotry or another, whether it's abandoning capitalism and Americanism for so-called democratic socialism, this is a party that is at constant war with the American system. Constant. And Joe Biden is a perfect example of that. And what they're doing in Congress is a perfect example of that. They're not satisfied with a free and open society. As Hillary Clinton said many years ago when she was running for president for the 4,000th time, he, 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 I have a million ideas. Remember that? She has a million ideas. They all have a million ideas. Bernie Sanders said the other day in an interview that what Joe Biden is doing is very, very good, but he's not going far enough. Because for the communist, you can never go far enough. That's the bottom line. They cannot be satiated. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Isn't there a guy named Cedric the Comedian, Mr. Producer? The Entertainer, Cedric the Entertainer, right? Was he hired by Obama, uh, by Obama, by Biden to work at the White House? Is, is that who this is, Cedric Richmond? Oh, he's not a comedian? Well, he's funnier than Cedric the Entertainer when I hear him speak. I guess that's a whole other issue. Guy's in the wrong job. It's a propagandist. What a week, right? Every week. Every week there's a crisis. Every week our liberty is under attack. Every week they try to weaken our republic. And every week I will be here right behind this microphone defending us. Every Friday in honor of you and our country, here goes.
folks, don't forget a fantastic Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox, 8 p.m. Sunday, Eastern Time. Please join us. If you can't join live, you can DVR us. Very important show. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And good night, little Barney. Stay strong and resolute, America. We're in this together. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you Monday. And good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And good night, Leo. God bless you, America.